Dear Lord, thank you for saving us today, and thank you for bringing everyone here safely. Um, be with Pastor Jesse and just give him the words to speak tonight as he preaches your word, and just help us to all take something out of the message with us tonight, Lord. Just pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Y'all can have a seat. Man, they like that song, don't they? Y'all get into that one. All right. Do y'all like that song? Should, should they keep singing that one? All right. All right. We'll keep doing that. All right. So tonight, tonight we are beginning a brand new book of the Bible, and we're going to walk through it. So that means... That means we've got some questions to start walking through. Now, if you guys remember, every time we, we study a book of the Bible, there are certain questions that I ask you every single week because when you study a book of the Bible, there are certain things you need to understand. You need to know who wrote it, why they wrote it, what the main idea is, so that you have the context of what's going on because what's happening affects everything that goes into what's being written in that book. So tonight we're going to start the book of Galatians. So let's throw out an easy one. Some of you are going to know this, some of you are not. It's okay. But do you know who wrote the book of Galatians? Paul. That's absolutely right. Paul wrote the book of Galatians. When, when, this is always a tricky one, when is it believed to have been written? Yes, a long time ago. That's always a correct answer. I'm looking for a little more specific information. What's that? 49 AD. Well, there's actually a window that's given. Some scholars say from 49 to 54 AD or 49 to 55 AD. So it's sometime in that time frame is when that was written. Do you know who it was written to? Okay, so general consensus is church in Galatia, right? Okay, we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we get into this. All right, so there's actually two schools of thought. There's, there's one group that thinks it was written to a group of churches, the Roman province of Galatia, that there were a group of churches in the northern part of the province, and then there's people that think they were written to a group of churches in the southern part of the province of Galatia. So we'll dig into that a little bit more. i tell you which one I think it is, but we'll get to that. So what is the main idea? Nah, this is where it gets tricky because most of you probably haven't read the whole book, and if you have, it's been a while. Does anybody have an idea what the main idea, what is it? It is about false teachers. Do you have a cheat sheet back there? Is that, okay, all right. Just a Bible? Just a Bible. You know, it helps. Yeah, it's talking about false teachers. If you go through the book, the main general idea that he's talking about throughout this book, he talk, touches on a couple different things, but he's talking about salvation by faith alone. He's talking about the idea that the only way you are forgiven of your sins, the only way that you can be in a right relationship with God is by putting your faith and trust in him through Jesus Christ. The only way you experience salvation is through faith. There's not anything else you can do except for what Jesus has already done. It's only through the person and the work of Jesus Christ that you are forgiven of your sin. That's the main idea. Now, why did Paul specifically write this to this group of churches? Rachel already gave you the answer. False teachers. There's false teachers. When you, when you look at this book and you go through, he's actually going to address it here in the first of this chapter tonight. There's false teachers. There are people who are coming in and they're trying to influence these people in the church with messages that are different than what Scripture says the gospel is. 
In fact, this isn't the first time we've seen this in Paul's writings. Um, if some of you were following along with us when everything shut down in 2020 and we started doing Wednesday night Instagram live from my living room and, and we had people playing music and we were walking through a book, we were walking through, does anybody remember what that book was? Anybody? It was written by Paul. And we're not doing, we're doing Galatians tonight, so you've got like a, a 11 out of 13 chance of getting it right. No. 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 Anybody? No. No. Oh. All right. Let me, hey, let me put you out of my misery, okay? It was Colossians. In the book of Colossians, Paul is writing and if, if you missed it, you can actually go back to our podcast and you can, you can listen to that whole book that we walked through. But in that book, Paul was doing the exact same thing. Paul was warning against false teachers because as you read a lot of Paul's writings, what you begin to see very quickly is that Paul has a heart to make sure people really understand the gospel. He wants the people that he's writing to, these church members, these disciples, all of these people that say they believe and they trust in Jesus Christ, he wants them to know that they know what the gospel is. But he also makes very sure that people understand what the gospel is not. And as he does that, as he goes through that, he begins to lay out what the gospel is, and that's exactly what he's going to do here in this book tonight. That's exactly what he does in the first couple of verses even. He jumps right into it. So I'm going to ask you guys to do what we do every time we read a chunk of scripture. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, and I'm going to ask Mr. Mason Walter to come up here and read for us tonight. We're going to, we're going to put him on a wireless microphone. We'll get there in a second. Ready? Keep turning them up. Keep turning them on. Yes. Hello. 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 You got it. You got it. There we go. All right. Y'all give it up for the sound booth. Thank you. Thank you. Take it away, Mr. Mason. Little PSA. Uh, I'm going to stutter. I'm nervous. I'm sorry. Yes. You got this. Okay. Paul, an apostle, not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ, the God, the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from his, uh, this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel ha from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, a curse be on him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing this wonderful group of people together. May you give Pastor Jesse the right words today, whatever that may be. Um, thank you for not too many stutters today. I appreciate that. And um, may you stir us, uh, steer us away from uh, wrong gospel. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Mason. I don't know about y'all. I didn't hear him stutter at all. Did you? No, I thought that was pretty good, man. All right. So, there's a whole lot going on there, but at the same time, it's very simple what Paul's talking about. But he comes on pretty strong here, but here's what he does. 
starts off with a very simple introduction. In the first three words, he lays out who he is. Look at that. He says, Paul, an apostle. Now, Paul, does anybody know what his name used to be? Saul. Saul. So this guy that is writing this, there was a time, if you go back and you study who Paul was, in fact, you can find in scripture where he kind of gives his resume, Paul, Paul was what was considered a Jew of Jews. He was one of those guys who had grown up, he had been trained in scripture, he had been trained in the law, he had been trained in what it was, what their society thought it was to rightly serve and follow and do things for God. And because of that, when this whole Christianity thing popped up, Saul was one of the biggest persecutors of the Christian faith. He went and tried to stamp out the Christian faith. In fact, when he met Jesus, he was on a road to Damascus. He was in the process of going to find Christians to put them in jail. That's what Saul, that was his purpose, was to stamp this thing out because it went against what tradition and law and what he understood scripture to say. But he was on the road to this place called Damascus and on that trip, Jesus Christ called out to him. And he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And in that moment, right there, on that trip, on that road, Saul's life and Saul's eternity was changed forever. Because Jesus Christ got a hold of his heart. Because in that moment, Saul, Paul, whatever you want to call him, go back and forth, well, now we know him as Paul, gave his life to Christ. And from that moment on, you can follow the account through. It says he goes on into a town. He sends somebody who was a Christian to talk to him. And that guy says, are you sure, God? Because that guy's trying to kill us. And God says, no, trust me. So he goes, and all of a sudden, Saul is now Paul. And all of a sudden, he's not persecuting Christians. He's helping to make them. He's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's going around telling people about what God's done in his life. And he goes on here. He actually writes 13 letters that become books that we see in the New Testament to all of these churches that he helped plant. And as he goes around and as he's planting churches and doing all of those things, you find through scripture that he actually suffered greatly for the gospel. This guy that once persecuted and tried to put Christians in jail is now the one who ends up in jail for being a Christian. He ends up shipwrecked. He ends up beaten. He gets bitten by a snake at one point. All kinds of stuff just goes wrong in his life. This is the guy that's writing this book. And he says, Paul, an apostle. Now he uses that word right there, apostle. He calls himself that word. And if you follow through scripture and tradition, what you see is that's not a word that's used for a lot of people. Traditionally, that word apostle, that was typically used only for those that Jesus physically said, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Those guys, we hear about the 12 disciples, they were referred to as the apostles by the early church because they had been with Jesus, they had walked with Jesus, they had learned from Jesus. Paul saw Jesus after Jesus had already died and come back to life and ascended into heaven. And yet he saw him. He heard him personally. So Paul is putting himself on the same level as his 12 disciples. And by the early church, that was accepted. He's saying, hey, I'm an apostle. Basically what he's doing here is that he is setting himself apart. Remember, he's getting ready to talk about the things that these false teachers are coming into these churches and telling them. And what Paul's got to do is he's got to set himself apart from those teachers. Because if, if Paul is just like all of those other teachers, then they have no more reason to listen to Paul than they have to listen to these guys that are saying things that aren't true. 
So Paul is doing everything he can to distinguish himself. It's, it's kind of like when you're on a team or, or you have a group project in class and you've got that one person in your group on that group project that does nothing. Like sometimes that's the entire group and if that's the entire group, you got a problem. But every, man, people are pointing everybody out in here. But this is what happens. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but just think about this. In some way, shape, or form, you have made sure the teacher knows that that part of the project that isn't done was not your part of the project. You do that, right? Because you don't, you don't want to be associated with that. That's kind of what Paul was doing here. Only Paul has a whole lot more credentials than any of us ever will. He's setting himself apart. He's saying, hey, I'm writing this letter to you, but I'm doing it with way more authority than they have. I'm doing it. He goes on in that verse right there, and he says not from men nor through man. He's saying, the things I'm telling you, it's not because other people have told me it's okay to tell you that. It's not because other people have come up with these ideas. He says, but this is through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He's making sure that they understand that he's someone who has seen Jesus. That God is the one that called him through Jesus Christ. He's setting himself apart because this position of an apostle carries influence. If it's seen just as another voice, then this church has no reason. These churches have no reason to listen to Paul. So he's making sure they have a reason to pay attention to what he's saying. And then he goes on in verse 2. After he introduced himself, Paul, an apostle, he says, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So that one verse right there, first of all, answers the question, at least partially, of what I asked before. When I said, who was it written to? And some of you said the church at Galatia. It's multiple. There's more than one church because this isn't just a town. This is a region. And he says he's doing it with all the brothers who are with me. What Paul is saying is, I'm not alone. There are other people that are working with him, that are striving with him to show the world who Jesus Christ is, to show what God has done. And Paul is saying, we are all in this together. This is not just my opinion. This is something that we all agree on because it's true. And he's writing to these churches in this area of Galatia. It's my belief in the different study and the readings that I've seen is that he's writing to the churches that are in the southern part of Galatia. And this is where you can start reading through Scripture and seeing where other parts of Scripture help you understand other parts of Scripture. If you look at Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas were on missionary journey together. And it tells us there that they actually were in this area and they were planting churches. Um, some of those churches would have been the church at Poseidon, Antioch, Lystra, Iconium, and Derby. So he's been there. The people he's writing to, it's not like when, when you write, a f uh, you guys write pen pal letters anymore? Does anybody do that? Okay. Do y'all you know, know what a pen pal is? Some of you do? Okay. Pen pal is this. Basically, you write a random letter to a random person. Obviously, you have their name and address. You couldn't get them a letter otherwise, but you don't know them. And you, hey, how are you? I like ponies. And I like the color red. And you're throwing out just all of this information trying to let this person know who you are. And then they do the same thing. And over time, you start to know each other. But this is different for Paul. This isn't a pen pal letter. This isn't an introduction. Paul has been here. Paul has seen these people face to face. Paul has shared the gospel with them. Paul has seen these people put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. He has a love for them. 
And we begin to see that love show in these next couple of verses. Look at what it says in verse 3. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You are three verses into the book, and Paul has gone straight to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't waste any time. He doesn't do a whole lot of formality. Yes, he introduces himself, but again, (coughs) excuse me, he jumps straight to the gospel here, and he does this because the gospel is under attack from these false teachers. Paul makes it clear right here that what he does and the reason he does it is for nothing other than for the glory of God. That's what he says right there. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our son, our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. His love for these people, his love for these churches caused him to have an urgency in what he's saying. That's why he goes straight to the gospel here. He gets right to the heart of what's going on. It, it's kind of like this. If you were in your house, and all of a sudden you realized your house is on fire. <clears throat> so, maybe some of you have experienced this. I don't know. <clears throat> so you go into your parents' room, and when you walk in there, you begin to tell them about your school day. And you tell them about the fight that happened in the hallway. And you tell them about the test that you're pretty sure you're passed, but you're not, you're not sure. And you tell them about the kid at the lunch table who laughed so hard milk shot out of his nose. Is that what you do when your house is on fire? No! You run in there and go, fire! And you let everybody know. Hey. You do that because you love your parents. You do that because you have an unbelievably important message that they need to hear. So you scream it at the top of your lungs. That's what Paul's doing here. Paul is going straight to the gospel because the message he has and the message that they are receiving from other people, they're in conflict with each other. And the message that Paul has is so incredibly important that he goes straight to that message. He doesn't waste a whole lot of time talking about all of this other stuff. And he does that because of what we see in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul's in disbelief here. Paul is writing to these people because he can't believe what they're doing. He spent time in these churches. He's taught them. He shared the gospel with them. He's helped them establish a group of believers, a group of disciples that would turn around and do the exact same thing he's done in their lives. And he can't believe what they're doing now. They're turning away. They're listening to other people who are coming into these churches and these people are distorting the gospel of Jesus. What happened is they were infatuated. You've got people coming in with these, these new ideas and these new things and these believers, these disciples, they're infatuated with these new things that they're hearing and as they do that, they're turning from the true gospel and they're turning to what these other teachers are telling them. Now we find out later in Galatians, 
exactly what those teachers are telling them and we won't dig into all of that right now but what they're basically doing is that they are coming in and they're saying hey it's not just salvation by faith it's not just the grace of God yes you need Jesus but you also have to do these other things what they were doing is they were moving them back to the 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 Jewish law as a requirement for salvation that it wasn't just put your faith and trust in Jesus. It was do this and do this and do this. And then you'll experience salvation. They were moving towards legalism. And there are still churches around today. That operate in that mode. That they are very concerned about what you wear to church. And if you don't wear the right thing. Well you just aren't following Christ. Or if you're listening to this kind of music. Or watching this kind of movie. There's no way you're following Christ. And the problem with that is, is that you very quickly move from trusting in Christ for your salvation to trusting in all of your own works for salvation. And yet scripture tells us that your works don't get you anywhere. In fact, it's in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. Those verses say this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. These false teachers were adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were saying, hey, it's Jesus and. When the truth is, it's just Jesus. In fact, some of y'all, I want to say, some of y'all bought the shirt or the sweatshirt when you went to Winter Jam this last week. Stand up and turn around, Jen. Stand up and turn around. Let everybody see it. Come on. Model it. There you go. It's just Jesus. But that's, that's what Paul's saying here. Period, excuse me, period, period, period. I'll get it right, it's just Jesus, period. But that's it. But here's the problem. These false teachers, they were saying Jesus and. They were adding other things to the gospel. And Paul's saying, no, these other things, they don't matter. These other things, while they are maybe important culturally, these other things aren't required for your salvation. And he's saying that these false teachers, they, they seek to trouble, they seek to come in, they seek to distort and to disrupt. Basically, what they're doing is they're sharing something that looks like the original, but it's just different enough to cause a problem. I thought of it this way. Some of you know my oldest son, Nathan. Some of you don't. He's off at college. There was a time when Nathan was really little, and some way, somehow, we did not tell him this, but Nathan decided that a cracker was called a cookie. <laughs> Miss Kathleen and I didn't teach him that. We don't know where he got that from, but one day he just started asking for a cookie, and when we, when we, there was a, I think it was like a cracker on the counter or something, and he, he wanted the cookie, and he took and ate the cracker, and all of a sudden his parents, we realized, oh my gosh, this is gold. We don't ever have to give him cookies, because he thinks they're crackers. So we rode that train for a while. Every time he asked for a cookie, we would give him a cracker, and he was happy. Until one day when Grandpa was there. Grandpa likes sweets, big time. And Nathan asked for a cookie, and he was given a cracker. And Grandpa says, that's not a cookie. And Grandpa proceeded to give Nathan a real cookie. Guess what Nathan never wanted again? A cracker. When he wanted a cookie, he wanted a cookie. You see, Nathan 
had a distorted view of what he thought a cookie was, but as soon as he figured out what the real thing was, he didn't want that cracker garbage anymore. He wanted the real thing. And that is exactly like what Paul is trying to point out here. He's trying to help them understand, hey, the things that you're hearing, the things that you're receiving, you're chasing after it. And you're going after it quickly. And you need to realize that it's not what you had. That it's a false gospel. That people are adding to Scripture. <coughs> Excuse me. People are adding to Scripture. And when you add to Scripture, you're no longer following Jesus Christ in the way that Scripture tells us we should follow Christ. They knew the truth and they were choosing to ignore the truth. They knew what God's word said and they were choosing to chase after something else and Paul is trying to help them see the mistake that they're making. Look at verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul says if anybody comes in and they tell you something different than what you know to be true from the word of God, different than the gospel that you know God's word says, you need to put a curse on him. Now, not that you can curse somebody, but basically he's saying, hey, he gets what he deserves. He's saying, don't believe him. Don't give him the time of day. Even if it's somebody you should be able to trust. Look at what he says there. He says, even if an angel comes to you, Angels in Scripture, they're messengers from God. Every time you see them in Scripture, they are acting on God's behalf. They are carrying His Word. We talked about that last week and the idea of being ambassadors. And what he says right here is that if angels come to you, if the messengers of God come to you, and they interact with you, interact with humanity, and they tell you something different than what you know to be true from God's Word, don't pay attention to them. Because they're not speaking from God. We've got to remember that, guys, because there has always been and there will always be people who are going to distort the gospel. Always. It happened then. It happens now. In the Garden of Eden, that's exactly what Satan did with Eve. He distorted the word of God. He said, did God really say? And caused her to question what God had said. When, God, when uh, Satan tempted Jesus in the desert... He tried to twist scripture. Jesus wasn't fooled. And that's the same thing he does today. In this church, he sent people who took the gospel and added to it and twisted it and people were straying away from the truth and following lies. And he does the same thing now. There are people that you can come across all the time, social media, conferences, all these different things that will tell you, hey, God is great, Jesus is unbelievable, but you also need to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't, you're not really saved. And the problem is, what they're doing is they're distorting Scripture. Some do it because they want to get likes and they want to get follows it because if they've got something new that nobody's ever heard before, everybody's going to flock to them. Some do it because they can make money off of it. They can gain influence through it. They do it for personal reasons, but every bit of it are things that don't glorify God. And that's why Paul is saying we have to be careful. We have to be on guard that we don't pay attention and be deceived by these lies. 
Whatever the reason Paul is telling us and telling these churches to be on guard. Don't just buy into a message that somebody tells you is from Scripture without picking up your Bible and reading that message for yourself. I've told you guys this before. That's why we have that stack of blue Bibles on that table. Every time you come in this room on a Wednesday night, don't ever take what I say at face value. Please open the Bible and read it for yourself. Please know what God's word says because that is the only way you can guard yourself from believing things that quite frankly just aren't true. You've got to know it so that you can hold firmly to it. And he says it again in verse 9. He says, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Saying you've got to view the message as separate from the messenger. I could get up here and I could tell you all kinds of things about who God is and what God does. And if you didn't fact check it in the Bible yourself, I could be telling you all kinds of lies. Any preacher can do that. Any person on social media can do that. Anybody that even partially knows scripture, Satan knew scripture because he used it and he twisted it. Anybody can do that. That's why you have to check it yourself. That's why you have to spend time in God's word so that you can know if the message is true, whether you trust the messenger or not. Don't just trust what somebody tells you about God because they seem trustworthy. Don't trust them because it's somebody you know. And well, of course they wouldn't lie to me. I would hope not. But you need to check the message anyway. See what God's word says so that you're not fooled. It all comes down to this. It's, it's the so what of what we're talking about. You need to be on guard. Anytime somebody talks about God, be on guard. Anytime somebody talks about scripture, anytime somebody talks about Jesus, anytime somebody talks about salvation, you need to be on guard. And the only way you can be on guard is if you know what God's word says. Is if you spend time in it yourself. If you open it up on a daily basis, and I'm not talking, hey, you've got to read an entire book in one sitting. No, you don't. But read a little bit each day. Learn about who God is. If you don't know where to start, great place to start, book of John. You want to learn about Jesus? Read the book of John because it tells you about Jesus' life. It tells you about who he was. It tells you about what he did. If you've already read through that, great. Read the book of Galatians. We're going to spend a little bit of time in there over the next couple weeks. But pick up God's word and spend just a few minutes every single day. That is how you can be on guard when someone starts talking to you and you can know if it's what God's word said or if it's not. That's my challenge for you tonight. Spend time in God's word so that you can be on guard. Spend time in God's word so that when somebody says something to you and you're not quite sure that sounds right, you know how to check it against scripture. Because just like Paul tells us in the first nine verses of this chapter right here, salvation is through Jesus Christ and faith in him alone. Just Jesus, period. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can come together today. Lord, that we can study your word. And God, I pray right now, every single one of us in this room, Lord, help us to keep the truth of the gospel at the front of every area of our life.
God, help us to have a desire. Help us to spend time in your word on a daily basis so that we can know who you've called us to be and we can know that when someone speaks something that is not the truth of your word, we know it and we see it and we can run from it. God, I pray for every single person in this room. Give us that desire. God, I pray for every single person in this room that they would know you personally. God, if there's anybody in here tonight that hasn't put their faith and trust in you, God, help them to know how much you love them. Help them to know that all of the things that, that, that all of us chase to fix that brokenness inside of us, God, help us all to remember, God, that the only thing that's ever going to fix that is a relationship with you. And it's with Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that made a way for us to do that. God, I pray right now that we will hold true to the true gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.